This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Shall we begin? I'm a dreaming head. That's what you are. You're a dreamer. What are you going to do? I'm going to buy a dress. A Christian Dior from Paris. <laughs> That's what we are, Vi. The invisible women. Kiss me once, kiss me twice, then kiss me once again. Isn't it divine? 500 pounds. 500 quid for a dress? When I put it on, nothing else matters. My Eddie would love to see me in a Dior gown. Ni tout cela, ni rien au monde. BFM 89.9, you're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Arvin and Sharmila. She's back. I am back. I'm so glad I'm back for this. Are you back from Paris? Are you back for good, Ada? With a new dress to boot, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, we are starting off uh, today with not a throwback, but to a stuff we missed. This honestly never even sniffed the Malaysian box office, was nowhere near. Um, but it recently came out on HBO, finally, so we get to talk about it. We are discussing Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, um, which is based on a novel um, and directed and produced by Anthony Fabian. I actually didn't even know this movie existed until you guys were like, this is what we're talking about next week. Welcome back to work. Um, I'm so glad I watched it. It's such a sweet film. Um, It's one of those movies that need to exist just because everyone needs a movie that makes you feel good about life once in a while. Wait, so you didn't know it existed. I had I never even existed. heard of it. Um, and it's I weird. you guys. Well, I'm not surprised, right? <laughs> but I, I feel like this is exactly the kind of movie sweet spot that I would have known about. Fashion, a little bit of romance, spunky female heroine. Historical. Yeah, but I uh, actually did not know it existed. Yeah, same. Uh, I, I, I had no idea. Um, and if not for Lynn, I would have completely <laughs> ignored it on the streaming service and not checked it out. Um, but I'm also so glad I did. It, it's very charming. It's very sweet. It's very warm. Um, and there must be a name for movies like this, right? Where you don't recognize anyone who's in the movie. Like they are all new actors <laughs> or new stars, except for that one Jason Isaacs or that one star that you know from hey, something else. Hey, the French else. should be very offended that you didn't recognize <laughs> Isabelle Huppert. Huppert. I, 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 didn't, I didn't recognize anyone. They were all new faces to me, which kind of worked, I guess, because it works for a movie like this. So you know what's freaky is that Leslie Manville, of course, was in Phantom Thread. Yes. Um, oh, another fashion movie. Oh. Yes, correct. And and in that, she's so formidable and frightening and brittle and cold. And in this, she's Ada Harris, just a sweet cleaning lady with spunk who wants to buy a Dior dress. And I, I just, I really enjoyed the film. So I knew about it because I... I guess, pay attention to the UK box office. I'm not sure. Um, But, you know, it is a very, very British film. Uh, It has very Brit film sensibilities. Just in brief, the story is very straightforward. So Ada Harris, um, who cleans houses, who has a bunch of very good friends, who is solidly working class and very, very sweet and warm, essentially gets a dream one day that she wants to go to Paris and buy, in her words, a frock. Um, She saves up all her money for it, 500 pounds. She's ready to do it. And when she gets there, she finds that it's not as straightforward as she at first intended. But, you know, through twists and turns, 
it's all going to turn out okay. That's not even a spoiler. This is the kind of film that I can say straight up, you know from the first moment you watch it that it's going to have a happy ending. Yes, and actually that's part of the pleasure, right? Like even when bad things happen, even when people are kind of mean, you know that they're either going to get their comeuppance or they're not so mean after all. And I don't know, I think it's nice to watch a movie with nice things happening to good people. Um, It also doesn't do that in a very superficial way there are things about it that it ha- it has a lot of commentary about for instance the differences between the classes um, how people who are working class often live very different lives and are often at the mercy of um, the the rich people essentially in the film um, but there's also so much about grief and loneliness and particularly about aging about women at a particular stage in life uh, there's one scene where they say uh, something along the line where she says something like women like us are invisible and stuff like that actually gives a movie that is otherwise quite light a lot of weight and meaning so it's kind of weird right because it's so easy to get a paint by numbers formula like this wrong um and it's also so easy to get it right like we've seen movies like this like again and again like there's at least once every uh, couple of years something comes out um and then no one watches it or it, it doesn't score highly uh, it gets the formula wrong it it is kind of like a rom-com in a way it has rom-com elements um and it has that very like a to z and there's not a lot of peaks and valleys in between peaks and valleys yes but they're not like you know it's not super dramatic and you're not going to you know get all up in your own in your own feelings um and it's it's surprising that a lot of movies don't do what this movie has done which is stick to its formula and stick to its characters and stick to its charm and play to its strengths and 2 hours of just that makes for like a very very good movie it didn't mess it up i expected the movie to mess up at some point or do something overly dramatic someone's going to do something that's unrealistic and they never do everyone's just normal and human and you know themselves it's about earnestness right i think the film's super earnest like it it doesn't have an interest in poking fun at the form it doesn't have an interest in going nudge nudge wink wink to the audience like hey you know how this is going to go like it's just completely without irony in a way that's really great so it is essentially all the things that we keep saying it's about good people or people who need to be reminded that they're good um, people who are kind getting what they should get as a not reward but as a way of the world acknowledging that kind of kindness and it does all that without ever once going hey hi we're being a bit cynical about it Um, actually you know what this made me think of um, was you know how in in cinema, in um, the box office, there is the the grey dollar, the grey pound, the grey ringgit, maybe, you know, whatever it is you want to call it. This film is tailor-made for that. It's a warm, cuddly, cup of tea, tea cosy kind of movie. I wanted to immediately recommend it to my mum. Um, I watched it and I immediately thought to myself, oh, I must tell my mother to watch this because I think it would be the kind of movie that would exactly please her to watch. And again, I, I think we don't get movies like that. It's it's so odd. I recently watched Something's Gotta Give for the first time. I've never watched it before. Um, and for some reason, watching this reminded me of how much I enjoy watching older, accomplished actors take on roles that are not superficial, but not super dramatic either. You know, they're, they're doing that sort of fun, light thing. There's so much joy in it. Um 
To your point about cynicism, I also watched Mrs. Harris right after I finished Black Mirror, which we are reviewing tomorrow. Um, and oh my God, such a palate cleanser. Because Black Mirror, especially this season, is nothing if not cynical about almost every aspect of life, right? And it and I kind of feel like maybe sometimes I'm done with that viewpoint in all of my entertainment. Um, and that's where something like this comes in. I mean, this is the, it's the perfect kind of Hallmark Christmas movie. But I, I say that in like the least offensive way. It's not a bad Hallmark movie, but it's a TV movie. I'm, I'm kind of glad that I would have wanted to have seen it in the cinema. It would have been nice, especially for the score. The, it has like a beautiful score. But I also appreciated watching it at home on like a cold, somewhat rainy night. Because it has that vibe, right? So it was perfect. It is a very TV, it has a TV sensibility. So I think when people say like, you know, it's, it's cozy like a Hallmark movie, this is the kind of movie that they are talking about. It's not cheap or anything, but it's, it's just perfect for TV viewing la, on, on, a, on a very cozy, warm night. So the novel upon which the the movie is based is from 1958. And I think that that tells you something about the, the storytelling sensibilities and from mm. when the story itself comes from as well. Uh, we'll come back and talk a little bit more about the film. We are discussing Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, uh, which is directed and produced by Anthony Fabian. It's starring Leslie Manville, Isabel Huppert, uh, Lamb. I think I'm supposed to say, is it Lambert? Lambert Wilson. Yes, Lambert Wilson. Um, Alba Baptista. Lucas Bravo. More on that later, actually. From Emily in Paris. Yes, correct. <laughs> so anyways, uh, let us know. Have you watched this film? Uh, do you plan to... If you've seen it, have you enjoyed it? You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Beautiful, festive moments. BFM. 89.9, The Business Station. This your dress that you desire so much, where will you wear it? At the Vienna Opera Ball or Queen Charlotte's? Will you wear it to polish floors or will you keep it shut in your little wardrobe? A your dress is designed to astonish and delight. How will you do that, Mrs. Harris? You, <laughs> forgive me for saying this, but you are nobody, invisible. How will you give this dress the life it deserves? It's my dream. BFM 89.9, you're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn, Sharmila and Arvin. And together we are doing A Stuff We Missed and reviewing Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Uh, you just heard there two of its stars, Leslie Manville and Isabelle Huppert, playing just the most Frenchiest French mm. mean lady you could possibly <laughs> get. But Disney villain. Yes, correct. But with a secret core of warmth, which you know is there because that's the kind of film this is. Oh, we have to talk about the dresses, right? At oh some my point. God. Um, I, so I have a weakness for movies about fashion and especially when they're of a different era. And there's this beautiful scene set in the Christian, Christian Dior salon where everyone's showing off the dresses off that year and apparently uh, really inspired by the style files of the House of Dior. It's gorgeous, but... Even the way the movie, um, exactly what, what we just heard, right, um, that this is Ada Harris's dream, the way the movie shoots the dresses, the way they show her being um, drawn to and falling in love with the dresses. I love it so much. It's so pure. The movie is just so pure in the way it links fashion. And, you know, you want to put aside all your cynicism about money and expensive dresses and just fall in love with this idea. 
You know what this movie reminded me of? Um, and I don't know, I don't know if this is blasphemy or not, but we watched um, Air earlier this year, <laughs> right? And yes. it reminded me so much of uh, Air. And you know how we spoke about, you know, it's about the Air Jordans and, you know, making a sneaker and the sneaker means nothing, but it also means everything, like within that bubble, right, in that context to, to popular culture. And I was thinking like, yes, the dresses are beautiful and amazing and I get why she would want a frock, but also they mean nothing. Like at the end of the day, like outside of that bubble, like if you don't want it, it's like, but why? Why does any of this cost so much? Like why does anyone take any of this so seriously? Um, and, and I made that comparison and I'm like, oh, it has that same sort of, it has a similar charm, I think, when, when they make movies like this about oh, making something you that's... feel bad for a big brand for being rich and, and struggling. <laughs> I was very cynical towards the big brand. I'm like, ah, okay, you know, make it for the every person, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> but but it had that sort of, um, I understand why it's important to some people, but if you don't get it, you don't get it. Lah. Well, actually, I think the air comparison is quite apt because the... It's a few different things, right? Firstly, we mentioned rom-com early on. And I would argue that the true rom-com with Mrs. Harris is Mrs. Harris and the dresses. Yes. And the way they shoot her falling in love with the the feeling of the dresses, um, falling in love with being someone other than Eddie's widow and a cleaning lady and being seen. Like, I really appreciated the way they, they highlighted the fact that the clothes are her gateway to that. Um, but the other thing about Air... And I think the reason why it makes sense is partly because with Mrs. Harris, you can't ever accuse her, her, the character, of uh, being commercial. With Air, um, because we know who Michael Jordan goes on to be. So at the start, when he's negotiating hard for the money, I'm like, yeah, okay, you're going to be very wealthy. It's fine. It's all fine. <laughs> um, but with Mrs. Harris, this is an interlude. It's not as if she won the lottery. Like the way she went to Paris is not because she got a windfall. It's not because something happened. She did get a windfall, but it was a mini, mini, like a really small thing. She could take a one week trip and and she didn't even think it was going to be one and week. And had to look for free accommodation. Exactly. Mm. So it's, I think that that's the beauty of this and the reason why it kind of gets past the cynicism of the, the haute couture high fashion setting. Well, the movie also, um, in its way, highlights the incredible amount of labour and work that goes into haute couture, right? Like all the small people behind the scenes working on the dresses. Um, and then there's this whole thread about Paris undergoing its like worker strike revolutions because the garbage hasn't been collected on the streets. And um, so I think all of that also mitigates a little bit of the cynicism. Um, and ultimately, it's not about Dior, right? It's about it's about a very regular person for whom this is a dream because it represents something that has always been beyond who she thought she was. Um, and I think that's a easier story to buy into than the story of a celebrity sportsman and the shoe that he inspired. Was the do you think the conflicts were resolved way too conveniently at some points? Like you, you spoke about the the workers' strike and stuff. Uh, there are some conflicts to do with that without getting into details. Um, I felt like the movie was a bit too convenient in some parts. I know that uh, maybe it's just conditioning. Like I want more drama, or I want it to get a bit <laughs> a bit weird and dark in some places. But but the movie never goes there. And I thought like this is a bit fairy tale ish. It's a bit Disney ish. Um, and I don't know if I appreciated that so much. I liked it. I loved it. But I don't know if I appreciated it, if that makes sense. I was ready for it. I mean, she 
Where did she stay, guys? She, when she <laughs> where was did she in get Paris? the dresses she's walking around in? The sister's closet. Ah, yeah. right. Okay, so, so, oh, so no. it explains. See, everything I have a problem with, it explains. It's there, it's right yeah. there. The <laughs> kindness of a stranger. Because frankly, Mrs. Harris accepts the offer of accommodation from a man she hasn't fully met. Um, but if she did fully meet him, it was seconds ago and he's an accountant. And like that's enough for her to decide, yes, I will accept housekeeping from you and I will go stay in a foreign country in this house. There's a scene where she drinks wine from a what I think is a homeless person and I legit thought she was going to be robbed and left on the streets. But this but is no. our problem. Yes, this is us. But the next scene, no, she's happily on her way. That's the kind of movie this is. So that scene for me was pivotal in realising that nothing bad was ever going to happen and I was fine with it. Those three were, were Disney comedians, yes. right? Yes. Like yeah. they were the three people who show up in like the Aristocats or something. You know, if this were uh, an animation, one of them would go, <laughs> Yes! <laughs> That's what those characters were. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep, yep. It's so. I mean, but I'm not. I'm not complaining. Lad. At the end of the day, um, I love the Disney vibe. But I also love that it wasn't Disney. Um, if that makes sense. Like I love it's not a it's Disney production. It's art house, apparently. It's art house. It did it's doing so really well. well though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it, so. It, apparently, it did really well in the US art house circuit. I don't really know what that means because this is, um, and I think we've made it clear, by no means an art house film. It is very rom-com, confectionery, you know, but it's a lovely film and fun to watch. I will say that I found Lucas Bravo distracting. It's not his fault. Um, it is the exact performance he has turned in in essentially um, Ticket to Paradise. <laughs> and, oh yes, he was yeah. in Ticket to Paradise too. Yes, um, and Emily in Paris. So it's, you know, but I think seeing him play the role of kindly but also very attractive Frenchman helping yet another foreigner. <laughs> I was just like, guy, come on. Quoting Sartre didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know I what like, to do with that. Does this movie, again, quite paint by numbers, lah, right? Um, mm. I will trade all of it, though. None of it matters because of the reveal the dress moment. Um, I love reveal yes. the dress moments in movies, and I will put this one probably in my top 10. Ooh. Especially because you never see someone who looks like Ada Harris get a reveal the dress moment. It's so beautiful. That's that was actually a good yeah, mm. it's a good reveal. Um I know I said that I preferred watching it at home, um, on TV, on streaming. what about you guys? Like cinema or at home? I think at home, you know, and I rarely say this, but it is that kind of movie. Um, it's a kind of movie where like I got teary at silly moments for no reason and kind of being at home helps. You can have like a hot chocolate and watch it and pretend that Ooh, Paris is outside yes. your window. Yeah. I recently made an impassioned argument for more rom-coms in the cinema. Um, this one should be watched at home. It's not. <laughs> it's... I would go to the cinema. Yes. But it's not a requirement. No, I really don't think so. Th mm. There are very few moments in this film that I thought were cinematic, like theatrical cinematic, where you felt like you needed a big screen. It's nice watching at home. It's nice being able to get a hot drink, your own snacks, that sort of thing. Anyways, we've been talking today about Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Let us know, have you heard of it? Because <laughs> apparently a lot of people haven't. Um, have you watched it yet? You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at movies at bfm.my. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9. 
the Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.